Welcome back to the Geeks in Marriage podcast. We're happy to have you. We've got another podcast with a guest on it, and this is a very exciting guest. Um, we have Andrew, who is an expert on things that we are not an expert. Uh, what we are not experts in. So, Andrew, welcome, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for having me on. For starters, oh, you're welcome. And it's great to have I'm you. Very much. Uh, I'm very much into pop culture. Mm -hmm. I run a website called popanimecomics.com where I write about anime comics and pop culture. Mm -hmm. And I run a podcast called the Pop Anime Comics Launch Podcast where I interview people in the voice acting, Comic-Con, cosplay, mm -hmm. professional wrestling scene, as well as I speak at a lot of conventions. And so I speak on a variety of topics regarding anime, comic books, comic book investing. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, I've observed how the convention scene has changed as well as I observed how much fun cons can be and things like that. And so that's the sphere that I'm in and Boom. how all that works. And I love every piece of it. So mm -hmm. I have to say, I feel a little bit inadequate as a geek with you <laughs> on the podcast because um, you have a, you know, like fingers in a lot of pies that we want to have our fingers. Yeah, in. Like we want to do a lot of speaking and stuff like that in the future. Um, so this is really fun to have you. So today we'll be talking about actually conventions and the convention scene, um, which actually me and Alex don't have that much experience in because we're in the middle of nowhere in North England, um, which is very far away from most things that are happening. So we don't get to go out as much and interact with as many other nerds. So hence why we started a podcast. Um, so you were telling us just before about how the convention scene started. So do you want to brief our people in case they like us had no idea? So cons are very complicated where the year where all this changed, as I was stating before we mm -hmm. went live, was in 2001. Mm -hmm. uh, prior to 2001, the convention scene was not corporate. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. I use the word corporate in the sense of very capital-driven, money-driven. A lot more money was exchanging hands in today's age, in 2018, 2019, 2020 mm -hmm. age. Mm -hmm. uh, prior to 2001, a lot of the comic scenes and a lot of like the Star Trek scenes really a place for fans to meet creators mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in particular with the comics it was really a time for a bunch of comic people who were the true comic fans who went to the local comic shop or went to their local store and picked up an issue of x-men to kind of be buddy buddy with the people who wrote it or mm -hmm. editors mm -hmm. and during the 1980s and early 1990s you could actually go to a con and you could be meeting like the chief editor at DC Comics, mm. and they would take a look at your portfolio. And come 2001, what happened is George Lucas changed the game where he bought a bunch of tables mm -hmm. at San Diego Comic-Con and a bunch of booth space mm -hmm. to really promote The Phantom Menace. Mm. Uh, Star Wars 1, mm -hmm. not 4, but, <laughs> but the fourth installment that's labeled 1. one. Yeah. Yep. For, for, for all those who are unfamiliar with Star Wars. <laughs> and... Why, why they went forward and then backwards, God mm -hmm. knows why, uh, but but he bought a bunch of space to promote the movie, and then that's when this corporate con era came, because mm -hmm. the following years, all these other groups to promote things bought space, mm -hmm. and then that's when the celebrity 
entity has come out and that's when this all really started but really 2014 is kind of the next wave Mm -hmm. of that because really from 2001 to about 2013 they're really it was slowly going Mm -hmm. but in 2014 15 16 17 and now in 2018 and going into 2019 at this point that has really taken off where a lot more money is being exchanged Mm -hmm between people we have big celebrities mm-hmm. coming into comic cons and we have this concept that comic cons used to be about comics mm-hmm. mm. new york comic con which is one of the most famous ones mm. it's about 15 percent of that is actually comics mm. and the rest is celebrities big names and stuff. big anime dropping yeah Pop funko is mm-hmm. a big thing yeah. <laughs> that now occupies a lot of space mm. and now pro wrestling's in that sphere mm-hmm. and there's good and bad that comes out of that yeah that's so good because like actually i never realized why the like like the big cons are called comic cons i didn't realize that i thought it was just the most nerdy thing they could think of at the time but actually that makes a lot more sense that it was almost like originally like with comics, a meet yeah. the author kind yeah. of thing like if you had book signings kind of thing um, which is really fascinating, actually. Mm. I didn't realize that's where it came from. Good for the comic, you know, nerds for bringing this <laughs> out and uh, having the opportunity for it yeah, to expand. Yeah. Now it seems like, like you say, it has exploded. <laughs> like there's a con for everything. And that's the thing. A lot of these cons are now, the smaller ones are now run by the fans almost. Yeah. There's so many more happening in the UK now as well. As like that never really used to be the situation. Mm. Um, obviously, America being a much bigger mm-hmm. place it was mm-hmm. more fans there were bigger arenas for these things to happen and now it's you know it's it's a global phenomenon essentially and mm. it's happening more in the uk now and the fans are essentially running them they're like you know what i love ghostbusters let's have a ghostbusters con let's yes. just let's just, let's just crowdfund do it. it exactly let's get it crowdfunded we'll see if we can get a couple of people involved with the original ghostbusters there at the con we can meet them they can talk and People do the cosplay side of it, things like that. Like, there are so many different elements to a convention. Yeah. And I guess it's evolved so much. Yeah. I guess it makes sense that George Lucas was one of the first people to start it, because let's be real, like, that is a huge fandom that he already (laughs) had. And he probably was just very clever. He knew that he already had people who were interested in it from his previous films. So. He he took a gamble because nobody ever did it before Mm -hmm. that in Mm -hmm. 2001. That Mm -hmm. concept was never ever created Mm -hmm. and nobody ever said hey let me go figure out a way how to promote my movie this Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. and that's what it was about it had nothing to do with i'm sure it had partially to do with his fans but it was Mm. really a big movie promotional position and that's what new york comic-con if you look at san diego comic-con and Mm -hmm. you look at new york comic-con and there's a few other big ones but those are the two main ones that dictate pop culture a lot of it is very much industry run now Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has movie trailers. Mm-hmm. I forgot yeah. what it was, but Black Panther had a premiere yeah. at one of them mm-hmm. a few years before it came out. And then the Avengers had a mm-hmm. premiere and Captain America's had a premiere. Mm-hmm. And now they're really big promotional tools. Mm-hmm. And there's still the comic side and there's still, you know, a big shopping element of it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is promotional yeah. stuff. And that's why comics in these places are 15 percent at best Mm -hmm. and they haven't grown they've actually shrunk Mm. shrunken Mm. is is the right word there and so it's very interesting to see how this goes Mm. and how all this works and the fact that they're generating millions upon millions of dollars Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But then if you want to get back to meet the author stuff, there's cons that cater to 1,000, 1,200 people. I'm presenting at a con in January, mm-hmm. and the most amount of people they have is 1,200. Mm-hmm. And so the, it's an anime con, and it's a very intimate setting. Mm-hmm. And it's a very nice setting because you get that old-school not corporate vibe yeah. off of them. Yeah. And do you feel that actually that's where the future of cons is? They've gone massive. They've gone like the full corporate and they'll still be, you know, like you said, San Diego Comic Con and Euro Comic Con will still be big. But do you think actually the reason that there's so many now is because they have realized that, you know, people are going from wanting to be part of this mass production to wanting a more intimate setting and they might pay more for that, actually. That's the thing, yeah. Has it gone the, the kind of the opposite way almost with the commercialization of it now that like san diego comic-con has exploded and hundreds of thousands of people attend it every single year and like the tickets sell out within milliseconds has it now become almost a commercial thing to say right we'll sell a select number of tickets Mm -hmm. for an even more amount of money an even more exclusive setting if we throw in meet the actors from the avengers Mm -hmm. or meet george lucas or something like that like has it kind of almost flipped the other way I don't know if it has, though, mm. because the, the whole thing that – so all these small cons, they actually are cheaper yeah. because they, they don't have as much expenditure mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. these big cons mm-hmm. because they don't have as large a venue. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I went to this con. It's in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and it's called Katori Con, mm-hmm. and it's $25 a ticket. Nice. Mm-hmm. And it's dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's in a community college. Mm-hmm. They have – think they're going to be doing like maybe 50 60 hours worth of panels they have maybe six major guests there and people who are pretty much well known in the industry but they're not like mega superstars but they always attract the big guests Mm -hmm. but they're not attracting like you know a walking dead big guest but they're attracting somebody big in the anime community yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's very intimate Mm -hmm. but their goal isn't to compete with new york comic-con and i feel that the the way these cons now are really making their money is they're offering exclusive events in within the con. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. there's this con called Awesome Con, mm-hmm. and they offer a VIP package. They offer exclusive events within the con to get that more exclusivity event. Mm-hmm. And I feel that more people are going to major cons and they're dropping serious bank mm-hmm. at these conventions. I mean, I'm a big comic book collector, mm-hmm. and I go through a company called CGC and they grade your books and get them airtight. And I was in line and I was getting some books graded and there was somebody ahead of me who was dropping like 3,500 bucks within an instant. So I think these big cons don't have that threat. Mm -hmm. I think that what, what's happening though is that I think people save up their money and Mm -hmm. go all out at either one or two major events. And then they fill in the blanks and they use the miniature cons that cater to 500 people or 1,000 or 1,500 people to get them through because mm-hmm. these major events are six, seven months away from each other. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think the little cons are surviving in many ways because they're anti-corporate. And yeah. they're, they're more intimate and they're more fan-based and they're not as intense yeah. I mean, New York Comic Con catered to over a hundred thousand people. Yeah. That's an intense environment. Yeah. I don't I don't care who you are. I mean, I have a walking issue. Okay. And that's an intense environment for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I have friends who don't have that problem and it's an intense environment for them. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to get through and it's crowded and you're waiting in lines. And I think that the 
the anti-corporate position is really where it is. Mm -hmm. And as far as people go and then artists and actors and in the comic realm more so because I've had plenty of private conversations. Mm -hmm. um, It's very expensive for artists Mm -hmm. to have a booth at New York Comic Con. Mm -hmm. It is very pricey. Mm -hmm. And at miniature cons that cater to one-tenth, even Mm -hmm. if it's Mm -hmm. 10,000, a lot of them actually make more money at these smaller cons Mm -hmm. than they would at these big cons Mm -hmm. because it's not as expensive. And the foot traffic is massive at New York Comic Con, Mm. but... Also, if you're going to a con that caters more directly, mm-hmm. where 8,000 of the people there are comic fans, yeah. if you're a comic artist or you're yeah. a writer, you're bound to make more money because yeah. that's very much driven that way. And I think that's also why these smaller cons and mid-cons mm-hmm. versus the mega-cons are actually starting to thrive, and we're now seeing more and more of that yeah. because of that nature. Yeah, Mm. that's how I feel as well, to be fair, because we obviously, like I said, you know, we're out in the middle of nowhere. There is one um, con that kind of happens every year. I think it's been happening for a good five years, five, six years. The one that's run by a group that was on Facebook, just on Facebook, like a group of nerds Mm. called The Geek Asylum. Mm. um, And they run it. um, And that's probably that and one other con that happens usually around my birthday. They're the, the two that are accessible. And obviously they only cost like... Like 20, what? 30 quid a ticket. I think they're even like 10 quid, yeah, you know, yeah, which yeah. is like, you know, let's say $15 for a ticket. And they're local to us. Um, and you don't get that many kind of guests there, but it's more about like meeting other people who are nerds mm. like you. And I think, like you said, like if you go to these huge ones, it's not really about that because you don't get the chance. You might go with your friends and you might meet up with a couple of people that you know, but I don't think you you really bump into other people as easily because I mean, I would be terrified in like a huge crowd. Mm. I already don't like shopping centers. Like we, (laughs) we usually, you know, start like being really intense and swearing as soon as we get into a shopping center and people are like (laughs) so social and they seem to be fine. And we're like, ah, get us out of here. Just get in, get shop, get out. So like the little ones are really nice. And I think like, it's nice to know that there's like something for everyone, I guess. That's the thing. It's giving people who will have these, like intense loves of certain things mm. an outlet for it yeah because like i say you know even mcm the the conventions that they run mm. um here in the uk that's that was just basically a group of super fans who got was in, it? yeah effectively mm. um they were like you know what nothing like this happens in the uk everyone mm. loves that kind of stuff they there was obviously i imagine there was a commercial aspect to it where they were like it probably make a lot of money and mm. you know it, it does fairly well um but it's getting to the point now where conventions and geekism and nerdism, however you want to say it, is more mainstream and it's more, quote-unquote, acceptable now um, that these fans can get together and say, you know what, I love Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. You love Ghostbusters. There's tons of people out there who love Ghostbusters. Let's have a Ghostbusters convention. Mm-hmm. Or let's have a Doctor Who convention. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever. And now that the convention scene's exploded a bit, there are more people out there who cosplay and there are more people out there who like I say there are comic book artists now out there who run the small indie comics um that get booths there mm. that they can afford and they can promote their goods and everybody gets to meet some of their favorite comic book authors like mm. these authors aren't huge mm. but some of their fans are like some of the most dedicated diehard fans ever so it must be really great for these people to have a booth and see all these people who are like oh my god i love your work you're absolutely amazing and yeah i i just love 
how in certain ways the convention scenes kind of developed and become more mainstream now i think mm. it feels like a lot more accessible in some ways like i say especially for the smaller ones do you think that's true as well from your because obviously you're in the u.s so you yeah, get a lot yeah, more yeah. than I we know do. you speak at these events and things like that so <laughs> so i mean i think that in many ways when you have more competition it it gives me more of an opportunity mm. so I speak at some mega events mm. and big cons that cater to 25, 30,000 people. Oh, nice. And I also speak at a lot of small ones. Mm -hmm. But the, the opportunity to really be at like the top of the top, so the New York Comic Cons and the San mm. Diego Comic Cons and even like Emerald City and mm -hmm. some of the Wizard World events are very, very industry run. Mm -hmm. And they don't really allow fan panels in. Mm. And so given the fact that that's also part why smaller cons and even mid-level cons have emerged mm -hmm. is because they allow fan panelists mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and people want to speak. Mm -hmm. And there, there's a whole slew of problems with that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're a fan panelist, you don't get paid, mm -hmm. uh, which is its own entity and its own set of yeah. problems. But nonetheless, at, at a New York Comic Con, I mean, they don't accept hardly any fan panels, if any. Last year, I don't think they accepted any. Mm. And it's problematic because this entire concept was built on the back of fans yeah. meeting creators and editors and showing your portfolio to DC comics or Marvel comics mm -hmm. or somebody indie or buddying up with people and mm -hmm. networking. It was mm -hmm. really built on that concept. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that concept has eroded mm -hmm. now into, yeah. you know, being very corporate. Mm -hmm. uh, some of these guests are guaranteed a certain amount of money. I was at Awesome Con, which is a con in DC. Mm -hmm. um, Jason David Frank was there. Mm -hmm. The guy charges, I don't know, charges I think at least fifty dollars, if not more, for an autograph. Mm -hmm. okay. And he had a huge line, mm. and he had a line of at least three hundred people. Mm. And so, you know, I mean, it's it's there's obviously a massive corporate element to it. Yeah. And I think that challenges the accessibility, mm -hmm. but at the same time. These people, if you're willing to pay, will sign. Yeah. So that, that, that's also a good thing where now autographs are more accessible. Yeah, that's and true. And so if you're an autograph collector and you have the money and, mm -hmm. you know, these Megacons do provide that. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, it's complicated in those two realms. Yeah. Where you have some of it going where it just it is a money grab. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm a capitalist and I'm the first person to say <laughs> that where... I believe in free markets mm. and if you, but now things are accessible. Per mm -hmm. Perfect example is that a few years ago, Stanley was at awesome con, mm -hmm. you know, the, these comic con stuff and, and regardless of how you feel, the way it's handled is the way he signed and, and he was signing mm -hmm. uh, is that it was very much a factory, but yeah, it was still now accessible to get an autograph. Yeah. yeah. And that, 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 so you can get an autograph, you can get it graded, you can get whatever you want signed, and it's an accessible thing now. Yeah. And while he's making a lot of money doing it, that's a good thing for fans that now something that wasn't accessible yeah. before is very mm -hmm. much accessible. Mm -hmm. But there's also that corporate aspect of it. Yeah. And so it, it, it's more and less at the exact same time. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I feel like the I feel like the accessibility thing for me trumps the fact that I mean I know that it can cause trouble when people can't afford it. Like for example, we had I I still really gutted about this, but Alex <laughs> bought me like 
I think it was my second birthday when we were together or yeah, something like yeah. that. But um, he bought me tickets to London Comic Con and it was the year that Stan Lee was there. And I think it was it, the last time got, Stan Lee was there, actually. Yeah, the last time Stan Lee was in the UK at a con. Um, it turns out afterwards. Um, and when it got closer to the time, Alex couldn't get the time off work. And even so, we couldn't afford the trains and the hotel yeah. down there. I did not plan ahead. And, um, and it ended up that we missed out on that con. And obviously, we could have met Stanley. It was like the last con that he did in the UK. And now it's not available anymore. And it's like, there's like this, like the aspect of like, so many people had the opportunity to meet this giant, this legend. Um, and that's amazing. And I feel like even though like our experience is so like crushing, because I'm just looking back <laughs> on it and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe yeah, we, we missed were, out on this opportunity. We even Even just to be in the same building as him, you know? Um, but at the same time, like, isn't it amazing that people get to even for a fleeting second get to meet this person? Like, well, like I say, there is so that cool. there is the the double edged sword thing with it, where it's yes, very you much yeah, the yes, you that. get to meet Stan Lee, but it's for two seconds, and he asks your name, writes it down, very you know, like I say, almost factory, like yeah, you know, to Alex Excelsior Stan Lee, and that's it, you're done. That's it. Unless you pay extra for an autograph or some a uh, uh, picture rather or something like that, you know. I know, but at well, the same I know t- what you mean though. It's yeah. like it's got its it it's a double-headed coin. What what it is as far as all these fans and things like that. Typically, so I love Batman and mm-hmm. I, I, one of my favorite writers is Scott Snyder. Mm-hmm. And the way it works is that the reason why VIP tickets are, are so nice mm-hmm. yeah. and, and is that when they're starting, all these people are starting, they'll spend more time with you mm-hmm. if you're the first or you're the second or you're the third or the fifth. Mm-hmm. And so, like, me and Scott, he's signing my Batman book. I'm getting it graded. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're just talking about wrestling, of all things, because nice. everybody asks him about Batman. Yeah. And given the fact that it was the first, like I was like number three online nice. and I'm wearing, you know, a wrestling t-shirt. <laughs> he has kids who love wrestling. He, mm-hmm. He's like a wrestling fan and we're just talking about it and he's signing it. And it was very cool mm-hmm. to the point where that's what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so depending on who it is, but at the same time, I mean, now everybody charges if you're getting a book graded yeah. and the entire atmosphere has changed because what's happened in the comic world mm-hmm. is that everybody's getting books graded. You get it graded, you wait eight weeks because it's now sent off to CGC. Mm-hmm. So getting a book graded for those who are unaware is it's basically put into a slab. It's assigned a grade number mm-hmm. depending on condition of it. If it's signed, they witness it. Mm-hmm. And then following that it's worth more money mm-hmm. and 95% of them end up on eBay as yeah. they sold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's a new phenomenon in the mm-hmm. last six years. Mm. And so six years ago, people didn't do that. No. And, and that, that wasn't a big deal. I mean, people were doing it, but it wasn't as big as it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now everybody charges. Mm-hmm. And so I, I run a panel called Comic Book Investing 101. Mm-hmm. And the first question I ask after I introduce myself, I say, everybody raise your hand who already spent over their budget and i guarantee you every single time i've done it i've done the panel once mm-hmm. and it's probably gonna happen again i shouldn't say every time but 90 <laughs> percent of the room raised their hand yeah. yeah and it was it was friday mm-hmm. at four o'clock the con <laughs> opened at 12 wow okay yep so so 
that's the nature of the beast. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what happens. Mm -hmm. And that's changed con culture Mm -hmm. because now you go into a con and the con's been open for four hours Mm -hmm. and everybody's pretty much in the room almost raised their hands and have overspent my budget. And I said, how many people put something on a credit card or how many people went to the ATM? Mm -hmm. And I basically said to everybody, the ATM is not your friend. (laughs) Yep. If you have $500 and your budget was 200 and you spend the other $300, mm-hmm. that's not good, but, no. but that's better than going to the ATM or putting money on a credit card. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And, and so that's how con culture has changed because if you go to a con and I don't know how many you've been, but I'm sure some of your listeners mm-hmm. will know this scene mm-hmm. is there's a line for the ATM. Yeah. And that's a new thing mm-hmm. at conventions. That is a new thing mm-hmm. where that is something that didn't exist 10 mm. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been going since like 2008, 2007, mm-hmm. 2008. I've been going to conventions and that didn't exist in 2008. It didn't exist in 2010. Mm. It started existing six years ago early, but the line was very small. And now you can guarantee it on Saturday at one o'clock. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a line at the ATM. And <laughs> there's been cons where the ATM has run out of money. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I can, I can imagine so. Which yeah. is bizarre, which which dictates and shows how commercial this has become. Yeah. And that's what changes con culture is that you have all these premieres, you have all this information being leaked. Um, mm-hmm. At least, I mean, Awesome Con is a good example. Mm. The Netflix special Lost in Space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that show, Awesome Con in D.C., think in 2018 this year because mm-hmm. i think the show came out showed the first episode mm. of right. that yeah and, and so that's what cons are fighting for now yeah and that changes the nature yeah of, of the beast it changes the nature of what happens along with all these artists mm-hmm. you know doing things but some artists don't charge uh keith giffen who mm. created rocky raccoon mm-hmm. got a book was getting a book signed and graded by uh you know, J. Scott Campbell is going to sign it and he was going to sign it. Keith didn't charge me. So it, it, it's very interesting where there's still a glimpse of this uncorporate stuff. But mm-hmm. Scott, uh, Greg Capello, and uh, Jonathan Glappin all charged 15 bucks to get a book that was going to be graded mm. because they know it's going to go up on eBay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, I, I didn't sell mine yet, but no. eventually at some point I'm going to make an exit, mm. whether that's in five years from now or in two weeks from now i don't know mm. but at some point i'm going to be making an exit with all these books and that's how the cycle now goes yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah and do you think this phenomenon of it being more commercial do you think it's a case of it's like we said like you know it seems to be more um like common for people to be nerds on something that is at a con or is it just awareness are more people aware of these things happening like what is the causality there? Because it, it, it kind of feels like a little bit like, you know, because of Avengers and all of these like huge successful blockbuster geeky films, even though they existed before, like some of the, these films like Batman and films and Superman films existed before. Yeah. Is it just that so many more people are aware of it? So it just becomes more of a premium because there's so many people that you could potentially sell to. So I think there's two things going on. The first is that we have these mega blockbuster billion dollar mm-hmm. movies in the mm-hmm. comic world being made. Mm-hmm. And so now you see Batman on the screen and you see Christian Bell's Batman 
now Batman's cool. Because now people say, oh, did you see the Batman movie? Oh, mm. my God, I saw it too. And then, you know, that makes it mainstream. So mm-hmm. I think that's one thing where Black Panther was, in 2018, mm-hmm. the highest grossing yep. movie of all time, and or superhero movie of all time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I think it's mainstream now in that regard. I don't know as far as the comic books. Yeah. But then you also get people like Tanisha Coates, Mm-hmm. writing, you know, Black Panther, and that mm-hmm. also helps. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. But I think the other part of it is that you had a bunch of people. In, so I was born in 93. Mm-hmm. So I'm 25. So I grew up on Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon, mm-hmm. you know, part of Sailor Moon, Zoids, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Outlaw Star was, was another one on Toonami. Mm-hmm. Caught a little bit of the tail end of Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. And so I was indoctrinated. Mobile Suit Gundam is another good one that I was mm-hmm. on. And now what's happened is that that stuff, there was a Forbes article that said what was relevant 20 years ago mm. is going to stay relevant. And so I think you have a bunch of people who caught the tail end, were indoctrinated. Mm-hmm. It was on at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Kids were home. They were watching Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. And they were watching anime. And then mm-hmm. now they're having kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this is what I watched. Mm-hmm. And then their kids are getting indoctrinated into it too. Yeah. And that's why Pokemon, I think, is so successful. Yes. And so I think that's part of it. We're also where now you have a generation that grew up on this stuff mm-hmm. and then they're having kids. Mm-hmm. They're like, what'd you watch, Dad? What'd you watch, Mom? Mm-hmm. And then they show them and they're like, oh my God, this is really good. Mm-hmm. And then and now now they're, they're watching because I know five-year-olds who are into Dragon Ball Z. I have a Dragon Ball Z sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. I was legitimately walking to Dunkin' Donuts a week ago, and some 13-year-old, because it's like a high school two blocks away from where I live in yeah. D.C., yeah. is like, sweet Dragon Ball Z jacket. And I'm like, did you see the like, latest episode? He's like, yeah. And like, I'm 25. I'm speaking to a 13-year-old on the street. <laughs> I have no idea. And we're talking about Dragon Ball Z, yeah. and we're 12 years apart. Yeah. And so that's something that I think is relevant. Mm-hmm. Of why, so I think it's mm. both of those things. Why nerd culture is going, and I think that's why the con scene has exploded because mm-hmm. now you have parents mm-hmm. who grew up on this stuff and like it, and they're taking their kids, and their kids mm-hmm. are into it, and there you go. Mm-hmm. And then there's just a lot of money to be made. Yeah, I mean, you know, funny that we're a year older than you. It feels weird to have be older than someone. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You know, like even I, where I grew up in a country, so I grew up in Slovakia, where um, a lot of like kind of that kind of stuff didn't come through. The one yeah. thing that did was Pokemon. So I do remember that. I remember collecting the sticker packs and stuff like that. And I work in a company where we, I know, I know I had sticker books. It was great. <laughs> I had the silver, <laughs> like I had a couple of the silver edged ones. Whew! It was exciting. Um, but like, you know, I work in a company where we have a lot of um, kind of university like students who come in for like their placement years. So before they're between their second and third years at uni. Um, and they were kind of in the Pokemon Go era where like suddenly it came out on phones and obviously they're used to phones and stuff like that. And you talk to them about Pokemon and they're like, but Pokemon Go only came out like this long ago. You're already like in the age gap where you shouldn't have known about it. I'm like, Pokemon is older than that. <laughs> and it's things like that where you just get like, in the weirdest conversations sometimes because people are like, how do you know about this? Like, cause I don't, I mean, one of my colleagues was buying, um, uh, like it was buying some YouTuber merch. It was for the game theory. 
and he knew that I was a bit of a nerd. So he came over to show me and um, he was like, oh, you know, my daughter asked me for this. Is this a good gift? And he showed me and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, it's a great hoodie. Oh my God. And then everybody in the office, like there's some older people, you know, like they were like, what? I'm like, it's amazing. So there's like this whole thing of like, this is okay mm. to be this excited about something, you know? And people are just like, rather than it being like this weird thing that you like, people are into it. And you know, like there's jobs where you could, this this kind of knowledge could actually get you a job like that's amazing imagine if when we were like slightly younger nerds mm. and they would be like oh what do you want to go study at uni and they'd be like well like i like games it's like oh go do game design yeah that would have been great but you know now we're stuck with weird jobs but you know i mean we're at least encouraging the neighbor's kid he is into minecraft and his parents <laughs> don't get it and warcraft now Oh, is he into Warcraft now yeah. as well? Nice. So we were like talking to him about it and stuff like that. And his mom was like, honestly, what is he going to make of himself? I'm like, a lot of good things. Yeah, anything. He's going to be Almost excellent. literally anything. Like he can do whatever he wants. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I think that's something that really the, the con scene, even whether it's the mega and even the corporate, mm. it's very encouraging. Yeah. Where mm. it's... I, I'm not gonna say it's a safe place because mm -hmm. it's not. No, yeah. Um, by 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 not by any means. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't want to give anybody the impression, but it is a welcoming community. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of things can go wrong at cons. Things do go wrong. A lot of things can be said. Cons mm -hmm. can be mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it, 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 not 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 the con. That con can't be mean because mm -hmm. it's an inanimate object, and inanimate <laughs> objects cannot express feelings. Um, but people at a con can be mean yeah and you could have a not so great experience mm. mm -hmm. but it is a very encouraging creative experience at the yeah. same time yeah yeah and i think that's something that always is one of the good things that have come out of all these cons whether they're big or small i mean i'm going to a 1200 person con mm -hmm. i mean that that is a very creative thing i'm having conversations mm -hmm. and one mm -hmm. of the things that i like about it is that i pick up really cool interviews yeah at conventions mm -hmm. and while i do them in my apartment mm -hmm. i make connections and i network mm -hmm. and that's something that i think is really good and you could figure out how to find people if you want to design a video game mm -hmm. at a convention is one of the best places to find people to do that yeah. because if you're something there are legitly i am a very unique individual who likes wrestling cosplay mm -hmm. i like voice actors I like comic books mm -hmm. and when i go to an anime con there are a bunch of people like me who share similar interests and have as much knowledge mm -hmm. and as crazy stuff as possible mm -hmm. and while they might be not combining them like i do yeah they they definitely are interested in that and they see the point that i see mm -hmm. when, when i created my podcast mm -hmm. i clearly had a vision that at the time a lot of people didn't see mm -hmm. when I started doing my company and what I was doing mm -hmm. and now that vision is really starting to take place where wrestling comics anime mm -hmm. are really very similar entities mm -hmm. and I think that that's what's happening with cons and that's when they're becoming mashups mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's really cool isn't it I mean I think there is um, an aspect that I think is now changing a little bit but I do feel like when cons first and kind of these kind of geek communities became quite mainstream as mm. such th i think there was a little bit of the you know the the og nerds and geeks were a bit pissed yeah, off when people came in and they only knew a very small part of their entire like the entire geekdom and stuff like that and i feel like they're 
like I think I'm seeing that people are now thinking, okay, but you know, you know, this I don't like this person because they don't know the entire history of Star Trek. But at the same time, I'm hoping that people are getting to the point where they're like, yeah, but you know, at least they're still interested and they still want to know. See, we're guilty of doing that as well. Though. That's the thing. Like the the geek and nerd community can be one of the most friendly, inclusive communities mm-hmm. in the world, or it can be one of the harshest. Like it, there's a, it really is a double-edged sword because, <laughs> like you say, when the new Star Trek films came out, when the new Star Wars films came out, mm-hmm. when remakes and remasters started happening and things mm-hmm. like that, a lot of people were not pleased at all by it. And we were on that list, to be mm-hmm. fair. Like we, We're not fans of the new Star Trek. We're no. not fans of the new Star Wars we have our reasons why we're not fans of that so it's not just the blind mm-hmm. oh my god our star wars episode seven should never have happened blah 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 it's like no we have actual reasons why we don't mm-hmm. enjoy certain things but like i say it can be an incredibly harsh thing like even i remembered something i read a little while ago actually at uh, blizzcon so blizzcon i would look forward to going to more so than like san diego comic-con for, i'm yeah. at Honestly, oh my god i would uh if i stepped foot in the headquarter in california i would just die and i'd be happy and it would be wonderful um so but at the latest blizzcon they announced diablo immortal Mm. which is the next diablo game but it's a mobile game Ah. and no one was happy about it (laughs) like he i can't remember who was making the announcement he's the producer of the blizzard series he damn near got booed off stage and it's like all the fans who went there are hardcore super fans like me, and they live and breathe mm-hmm. Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo, Heroes of the Storm, Overwatch. Mm. They're like, it's their lives. And they announced this thing that Blizzard thought it's just another game, it's the natural evolution of gaming. Yeah. We'll make a mobile game. Uh-huh. And it got shut down and crushed, and everybody's still angry about it. And Blizzard have come out in several interviews that are like, I don't know why everyone's so angry about this. <laughs> <laughs> because nerds. <laughs> well, exactly, that's See, what I mean. To, to even talk about that, I mean, also one of the things about the con scene that's very interesting is that... <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know. It just went so quiet. No, that's cool. <laughs> we were oh, just up, waited with bated breath. Yeah. Like, what are you going to say? <laughs> this is interesting. So, so, Break so it one on. of the things about the con scene that changed mm-hmm. also is that with the anime community, there was a bunch of animes that you needed to watch to mm. be called a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those animes included Cowboy Bebop, Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z, possibly Mobile Suit Gundam, mm. you know, Mobile Suit Gundam Wing, mm. Outlaw Star. There, there was all these shows that you needed to yeah. watch. Mm-hmm. And... There was this concept that this is what a fan is. Yeah. This is what a fan has. This means that you are one of us. Mm-hmm. Now, if you didn't see Sailor Moon and you're a guy, nobody's going to shoot you. Mm-hmm. Because naturally, Sailor Moon's a shoujo. If you saw it, great. If you didn't, that's fine. Yeah. But then now you have anime fans and you have people who are like 15 who've never seen an episode of Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. They've never seen an episode of Full Metal Alchemist. Mm. And yeah. also part of the reason why that changes, there's a company called Crunchyroll. Hulu, Funimation has their own, you know, app now. Mm-hmm. And VRM, I think it is. And then there's several others. And what wound up happening is that now anime is more readily accessible. Mm-hmm. It's done faster. Mm-hmm. If a show comes out in Japan four weeks ago, the first episode's coming out in America four weeks later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, and it's being like sub, sub, I guess, dubbed. 
or mm-hmm. simulcasted is, is the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And so now you could be watching something like My Hero Academia, yes. which is mm-hmm. a great show, but you've never seen Tiger and Bunny. Or you're watching Kuroko's Basketball and you've never seen Slam Dunk. And so mm-hmm. that's something that's changed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, when you were speaking about Overwatch mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Blizzard and Diablo yeah. and that, that's something that is changing now mm-hmm. where you have fans who play video games who only play mobile yeah. games yeah. or mobile video games. Yeah. They don't play anything else. Mm-hmm. And they like Blizzard. And this is where things get really dicey. Yeah, yeah because absolutely. I'm an open person. I mm-hmm. get it why people have never seen an episode of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. I, I don't fault a fan for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm saying to myself, like, I do a lot of panels on old school anime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a panel at KatoriCon that's underrated military anime. I'm going back okay. to, like, the early, late 80s, early mm-hmm. 90s, and I'm talking about something like Area 88. Mm-hmm. Now, most people have no idea what that show is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there, there's another show that came out in, like, 2008, 2006, 2007, 2008, I don't know the exact mm-hmm. date, called Skycrawlers. And it was a phenomenal movie, and it's a similar concept. Mm. And so that's something that the anime community and comic community, more so the anime community, struggles with, where you have this mixture of fans, mm-hmm. where... They love a certain show, Mm -hmm. but they don't understand that 20 years prior, there was something else out there Yeah, Yeah. that is so good. And it's really interesting in my perspective Mm. when those things come out. And what I find is that instead of being angry about it, Mm -hmm. I have an obligation as an old school, Mm -hmm. more traditional anime fan Mm -hmm. to say, if you like this yeah. and you like My Hero Academia, mm-hmm. you're going to like this show, this show, and this show. Yeah. And that's from 40 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I try to cater my panels to. Yeah. To some degree is I try to introduce. I mean, I'm a big Tezuka fan who's mm-hmm. the godfather of anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I try to get young people in there saying, look, this is what started this. Yeah. You need to know your history. Yeah. You could love My Hero Academia. You could love Attack on Titan. You could love... You know, Mob Psycho, mm-hmm. that's all great, but you need to watch Astro Boy. You need to watch Pluto. Mm-hmm. You need to watch, you know, Kimba the White Lion. You need mm-hmm. to watch at least 10 episodes of this stuff mm-hmm. because you need to understand the, the concepts that were built. Yeah. And so, but I'm not angry about it and I'm yeah. accepting about it. Yeah. And some fans aren't. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just a very odd thing, but I think that's also changed where when you have things mm-hmm. more readily accessible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, even with comics now, yeah, you have things digital, mm-hmm. and so I think that's also changed con culture where everything is readily available. If I want to buy and go on a Walking Dead binge, so I'm on my vacation right now. Okay. Oh. I can go on a Walking Dead binge. I've, yeah. I've been reading it and I'm all caught up. Mm-hmm. But perfect example is that there's like, I think you can get like 148 issues mm-hmm. in the Copeniums. Yeah. Um. But but I could get all that digital. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It cost me like eighty bucks, mm-hmm. and I could just plow through it. Yeah, yeah. Instantly. Yeah. And now I'm a Walking Dead fan, and now 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 I'm in. Now I know what's going on. Yeah. And so now I could have a conversation with somebody. Yeah. You know, when I'm going to a convention, mm-hmm. and I'm all caught up, mm-hmm. or I'm mm-hmm. caught up enough that that now I'm in the group here. Yeah. And so I think that's something that's also really cool because mm-hmm. think about this. Mm. This is a crazy concept. Let's say you're going to a con that 
30% is Walking Dead and you're not a Walking Dead fan, mm-hmm. you're interested, that – and you go on Friday and you're going to go back on Saturday. Technically speaking, mm-hmm. and I, I think – I mean you could do this. Yeah. You could then go home on Friday, read the entire yep. Walking Dead, mm-hmm. 186 issues yeah. in eight hours, yep. and then be an expert the yep. next day yep. and fit right in. And that's yeah. what you could do in today's age. Yeah. And that's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? I I feel like that's, like, you know, we're probably, in terms of amongst other nerds, we're probably, of geeks or whatever terminology you want to use, we're probably not, like, top of the list of, like, knowing everything about everything. But isn't it fantastic that, like, you know, even we can educate other people who are interested. I think as long as people go to cons with an open mind Mm. and with like an enthusiasm for whatever they can learn. Like they're not just like, Oh, well you don't know this. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm a star Trek fan, but I don't like the original series. And a lot of star Trek fans will literally try and lynch me. And I'll be like, well, I'm sorry, but I just don't (laughs) like that one. That's the only one that I don't like. I've tried it, but I don't like it. And I think like, that's okay. Cause that doesn't mean I'm not a star Trek fan. And I think it's just, I think it would be nice if like, I mean, if people go to cons and they're just there just for the money and just to get an autograph and then to sell it, then fair enough, like, bugger off. There is but that like, side of it, yeah. Yeah, but if you're, like, genuinely just curious and maybe you just didn't know where to look first and somebody tells you, oh, you should check this out if you like this, and you go home and you you try it, then I think that's all we can hope for, really, as mm. a nerd community, right? I mean, surely. I mean, I, I think it's great. I think that cons introduce people to things. Yeah. And I think that they, there are a selected group of people who, who do. And, and I don't know. It's it's more categorical mm-hmm. where they, there are people in, in the panel world. Like, I'm an older fan now. I mean, I'm 25. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's crazy to say that I'm 25, but as an obligation, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm not required by, by any laws or, mm. or any rules or anything, but it is my job as a panelist in many ways is to usher in the next torch Yeah. and, and, and usher in the next group by carrying the torch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not planning to leave the con scene anymore. I got a lot of other panels coming out and I'm always inventing new panels, mm-hmm. repeating panels. I, I've done a mm-hmm. lot of these and I always come up with one or two new concepts a year. Mm-hmm. But it is still my obligation that you got, you know, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, you got even young 18-year-olds who are in college and are Mm -hmm. with their college friends. There's this sense that you have to, I don't want to say educate them Mm -hmm. because I don't want to be condescending. Just make a way. You have to to provide education and information because if you don't, this old school stuff and Mm. exposing them to new ideas Mm -hmm. won't exist yeah and so i'm, I'm carrying the torch in many yeah, ways and keeping ideas fresh and because the second we stop doing that is the second we start like stop expanding this yeah and and i think the reason why i mean star trek's a really good example i mean you got the original then you mm-hmm. got what next generation mm-hmm. you got voyager uh, voyager DS9. deep space nine and then the new and, series on netflix and enterprise <laughs> in the middle and then you got like Discovery is oh, out, yeah. and you got a lot of stuff. You got some like fan stuff that mm-hmm. yeah. you know, things were going on, and then you got the movies that came out, yeah. and everything in between. Mm-hmm. You, got, you got the TV show, you got the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Never mind all so, the comics so, and novels and stuff. Mm-hmm. So everybody 
if, if people don't talk about that and you don't have different generations speaking about that, yeah. I mean, then that stops being expanded. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, actually, that's a really good point. You know, there's so many, there's always going to be like we as aging nerds, apparently. <laughs> We as the old torturers of nerd nerddom, um, we do have an obligation to keep that because you know what? As we keep going, there'll be more and more new things that they mm. will like. There'll be new nerds of things we haven't even discovered yet. There'll be huge entire fandoms of these things, and they'll probably have some sort of basis in old school nerdy things that we love and we knew when we were younger. And mm. it is a good way to look at it as to say we are like the torch bros of that generation and we need to communicate to the new generation and they will then pass that on and at least they will keep expanding it and it'll just be it'll be curious to see how this goes in like 20 years time what new big fandom will be hmm. i mean it's it's crazy in which that I, I do a panel where i compare attack on titan and the walking dead and fahrenheit 451 mm -hmm. and i've done it maybe <laughs> six seven times mm -hmm. And every time I do it, I mean, I have over 100 people. The, the largest I spoke to was about 250 people. Nice. And everybody in the room was completely, like, into it and shocked mm -hmm. because it was never presented. Mm -hmm. And I was 24 the last time I did that panel. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've realized is that even though I am aging, a lot of these concepts and a lot of intellectualism mm -hmm. isn't spoken about in these things. Mm. And a lot of these, I guess, because that comparing those three works is a very new concept yeah. where it hasn't been done before. Yeah. And yeah. that's something that I, I wouldn't say it's even a torch bearing position, mm. but it's kind of leading a new path Yeah. because you yeah. could break down things. And I think mm -hmm. that people really want that. Mm -hmm. I think we're entering an age in society where, just showing clips and doing something basic, mm -hmm. it doesn't cut it anymore. And I yeah. think yeah. now we're entering that era where older nerds who, mm -hmm. who, who have this background and were exposed to different things really can break things down and shine new lights onto yeah. concepts that are relevant now mm -hmm. and have a nice back history mm -hmm. and really provide some insight into something. And I think that's what's coming out. I mean, you know, not not to get too political, but there's this group of people called the intellectual dark web. Right. And those people, you know, Sam Harris, Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro, Eric Weinstein, mm -hmm. Brett Weinstein, um, just to throw some, you know, names out there and without getting too political, but they are having long form conversations and they are having intellectual conversations of exploring ideas. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think is where the con scene is going in many mm -hmm. ways, where we're starting to see more and more of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that is being demanded yeah. out of this. And I think that's also changing with con culture because I think that while that change is very slow, I think people want more information. Yeah. And I think they want to have these intellectual conversations mm. about anime, about yeah. comics, yeah. about what's going on with that, mm -hmm. why something is going on. And we're mm -hmm. seeing it with the quality of comics that are mm -hmm. out there. We're seeing it with the quality of anime that's out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, Attack on Titan just by itself is a very complicated show. Mm -hmm. And to, to even go back further, mm -hmm. there was a show called Code Geass and Double Gundam Double O. Mm -hmm. And it dealt with the concept of terrorism and when terrorism is mm -hmm. righteous. Yeah. And it dealt with, you know, revolution versus terrorism versus political freedom fighting mm -hmm. and versing, you know, balance and 
alternatives to war. Mm-hmm. And those are very heavy concepts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's changed where I think you could have those conversations now yeah. in this field. And I don't think that, you know, even in 2001, you could have that. And I think in 2018, those conversations are not only be, I think in 2008, if you were having that conversation, it'd be hemming and hawing. And I think it'd be an over 18 plus panel. Yeah. But I think now in 2018 and going into 2019, I think those panels are very much embraced by fans. Yeah. And I think that people have real questions about that. And then they're, they're, they're questioning what's going on mm-hmm. with those, what that all means, what that means as far as culture within a country, what it means in mm-hmm. direct relationship to the United States. And yeah. I think those panels are embraced heavily and I think people are very appreciative of things like that. Yeah. I guess when you think about it, you know, that's that's the added value mm. of a different, like, talking to a person about something like this because, you know, it gets to the point where now there's so much information available. You can read about, like, you can mm. read, like you said, you can read the comics, you can watch the TV shows, you can even read articles about it but you can't like the the only thing that you can add to that really because there's so much knowledge is that that extra level of depth of like insight really that's that's where that value is because ultimately everything else like nobody needs to tell you what happened in the last episode because you can just go watch it <laughs> but and it's, it's also it's also coming out of somebody who is your peer yeah mm. or saying somebody who is an authority figure yeah or somebody who is a professor or somebody who is above you mm-hmm. and so when you have your peer presenting something to you mm-hmm. you're also more inclined mm-hmm. to, to embrace it have it and also you don't feel as intimidating to challenge it back necessarily mm-hmm. and i have q a's in all my panels when mm-hmm. i present this stuff and there's been plenty of times where people have asked me questions and then I'm in front of a room and we're having a discussion about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other thing now where, cause everybody walks into, especially with the attack on Titan panel. Like yeah. I talk about a lot of stuff and everybody walks in with a different opinion mm-hmm. and everybody. And, and what, what's crazy is that most people don't think about this and like, Oh my God, I didn't even see it that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. a bunch of people say, I have an opinion on it as well. Mm-hmm. And it's not a, I gotcha moment. Yeah. Thing, but they, they want to get more into it. Yeah. They want to say, well, what do you think about this and this and this and what's going on with it? And I'm limited in what I can say because I don't want to be a dick and spoil things. <laughs> um, and, and, and there was a panel and, and I said, look, you know, I mean, I'm more than happy to talk about this with anybody outside of this. Mm-hmm. And I just don't want to ruin it. Yeah. The season three is going on. I'm giving everybody a little sneak preek mm-hmm. of what's going on. There's going to be a civil war. Um, but beyond that, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't want to ruin things. Mm-hmm. And um, but people really are engaged with that. Yeah. And I think that that's a new phenomenon mm-hmm. where people want more intellectual things. Mm-hmm. And I think it, we are in an age in our society where people have so much access to information. Yeah. And they have the ability to catch up and they have the ability to watch things and they have the ability to watch things in almost real time. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. Crunchyroll is, is a crazy company mm. where Attack on Titan premieres an hour on Saturdays or Sundays mm-hmm. at, in Japan. And then an hour, hour and a half later, it's it's subtitled and it's on Crunchyroll. Wow. I That's mean, crazy. you're watching something 90 minutes at the yeah. most outside of when it premiered. That's and then crazy. everybody can talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then you take all the episodes that came out and you create a panel about mm-hmm. it. And then people are familiar with the topic and 
they then can have an intellectual discussion mm-hmm. that they can't have on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, so much to absorb there. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I think that's been a really good discussion. Um, I think it's totally, like, if our listeners are still here with us, it's totally worth the hour of listening. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This awesome. Yeah, this has been fantastic. <laughs> like, it's opened my mind so much about... Yeah cons and things like that and how it how they can be approached and things from different angles like it, it is fascinating to talk about yeah where they came from and where they are now and how they're still evolving in terms of yeah. fandoms that are out there and things yeah. like that so yeah it's been absolutely fantastic i just really want to go to a con now <laughs> we will like right we now. have a list we have a list for, we next, have a list year. for next year we're going we're repping the podcast it's yes. gonna be fine yes that's what having a podcast is about <laughs> going to cons we're gonna host our own it's fine <laughs> at some point maybe um but this has been really insightful thank you so much for spending so much time with us yeah. do you want to um once again tell the folks in case they've forgotten in the mm-hmm. meantime mm-hmm. what you do what the pop podcast you run and yeah. things like that yeah pop anime sure, comics sure, I remember sure. it right. <laughs> so a- anything with pop anime comics is mine so unless i owe you money and in that case i don't know you someone else's but <laughs> in all seriousness um I host the Pop Anime Comics Lounge podcast. Mm-hmm. It's an interview-based podcast where I interview voice actors, comic writers, artists, cosplayers, and professional wrestlers. Mm-hmm. I'm on hiatus right now, but it will be back in January. Mm-hmm. Got a mm-hmm. bunch of guests coming out. Very mm-hmm. cool people. Uh, that can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitch Radio. Mm-hmm. I also run my website, popanimecomics.com, for mm-hmm. articles relating to anime comics and pop culture. Mm-hmm. So you can check that out. I try to write as many as I can during the week. Mm-hmm which is one, maybe zero, depending on the week. But I'm working on I'm working on some bigger articles, more like 2,000 to 3,000 word articles that should be coming out. Mm. I also have a Facebook page, and mm. why you should like my Facebook page is simple. I live stream all my panels. Excellent. Nice. So if you cannot make it to a con, mm-hmm. um, I will be at a convention on January 12th, mm-hmm. and that will be up for two weeks or three or four weeks after on replay, so you can catch it then. Uh, so that's very cool. I have three panels there, so that's a really cool way how to watch my panels if you can't make it. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's out there. I have a Twitter that's Pop Anime Comics. Mm-hmm. My Instagram, I put up a bunch of comic stuff and Pop Funkos. So I like collecting that. That's Pop Anime Comics, and I think that's everything I have. And also with my Facebook, I do have influencing deals where I get discounts for my oh, okay. viewers who view it. Mm-hmm. as well as promo codes and some contest stuff going on and a lot more of that stuff's coming out in January and going forward in the year. Mm-hmm. So that's also another reason why to like my Facebook page. Yes. And that is Pop Anime Comics. So that's everything about me. And again, if I owe you money, well, I don't know you. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, you can find all the details uh, for all you listeners at home. You'd be able to find all the details in the episode, uh, description. In the episode description. Yeah, so... But thank you very much for having us. Yay for accessibility for those live streamings. We will definitely yeah. be on those live streams, <laughs> like lurking in there. <laughs> but it's been fantastic having you, Andrew. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on this podcast. Um, and, you know, I don't know what else to say. It's, it's been, been fantastic. Really fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That's been fantastic. <laughs> Lifestyle and marriage to film and TV. It's Geeks and Marriage, hosted by your favorite geeks.